calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey, everybody. Oh, hey. Jenny, I can't see you. Where are you? Well, I don't know, but I did get a haircut. (laughs) Life imitates art. We're about to roll into the episode for Gone, which you probably know because you're here and it's the title of The File. So good work. Good detective work on your end. We have a few news items. Um, we have more events in the month of April than any human being should ever have. But hey, good on you if you're a patron of ours because there's a lot of shit coming up. Are you ready? I am. I personally am not ready, but I feel like the listeners are. Great. Hit it. Tonight. Wednesday, April 14th, I will begin the first of a trio of movie watches with Joanna Robinson. Tonight is Army of Darkness. I will finally learn who that guy is. What's his name? Oh, yeah. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. Finally going to learn who Bruce Campbell is. Tomorrow, Thursday, April 15th, Jenny will be introduced to the film Legally Blonde by Morgan Ludich in the buffering patron movie watch channel you ready for l woods jenny i object (laughs) sustained uh sticking on the movie watch theme for a minute the other two feels like the first time movie watches will be thursday april 22nd we are watching the covenant aka abercrombie and witch Uh, wednesday april 28th we will be watching tremors all of those movie watches all four of them happen at 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific and last but certainly not least on the event list this saturday april 17th jenny owen youngs is going to be playing a concert of buffering the vampire slayer songs for all of our patrons jenny are you ready step aside clear the path here they come i promised i promised jenny that i would attend in small inset form to dance to all of the music i will say not to brag but i get my second covid vaccination that morning so my attendance is pending on yeah my attendance is pending on my bodily reaction to the vaccine cool All of those events. And you can also become a patron, if you're not already, at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Now, with all this fluff out of the way, we can get to the real meat and potatoes. 
of the intro. Here we go. I made the most horrified face at Jenny when she said meat and potatoes. <laughs> well, this is usually where you'd hear the very sexy sexual tension awards results, but because Wrecked is a uniquely sexless episode and tensionless episode, we've decided to uh, categorize this particular contest as the most dynamic duo awards. And thus, it is my pleasure to present to you the results of our Twitter poll tied for third place. We have, with each garnering 21% of the vote, we've got Dawn and barehanding hot quesadillas. <laughs> nice. And Buffy plus 10,000 garlic braids. I love it. In second place, everyone's favorite fucking razzle-dazzle demon, Razzmatazz, and the drama. 23% of the vote. Congrats. Uh But none can stand. None can hope to stand. Congrats, Oh, my God. (laughs) But none can hope to stand against the most dynamic duoing of all time, of course. It's Anya and Bridal Magazines with 35% of the vote. First place, bum, bum, ba-da, flank, flank, <laughs> wow. 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 I mean, you know, Anya earned this award because, as you will soon find out in our discussion of Gone, she's still at the wedding planning. She is just Anya gone wild. Yes. Uh, listen, speaking of people gone wild, I want to bring mm. up Glory. Weird, Ooh. I know. Season six. Why would you bring up Glory? Uh, It's because uh, last week, Jenny and I got the chance to hang out with one Claire Kramer because Claire is starting a podcast called Fanatics, spelled Fan Addicts. Uh, And she hung out with us to talk about the podcast. First, before I even go any further, let me share a little snip of our conversation with you all so you can learn about Fanatics. Cool? Cool. Hi. Hi, guys. We're really so happy to to get a chance to talk to you again. And you have, I mean, you have a podcast that's really fucking cool. Is it okay well, to curse? I know this is yes. like technically our podcast. It's it's <laughs> totally fucking okay to curse. In fact, all my children curse. You know what they actually say? I'm not even kidding. That cursing is a sign of high intelligence. <laughs> so you're so you're starting a podcast about everyone's favorite curse words, right? Uh, I mean. <laughs> That is not, that is, I'm misinforming everyone. That is not what your podcast is about. It may uh, be. I mean, hey, okay. A new idea. <laughs> you, the thing is, the podcast, it is called Fanatics. It is a really fun show that I am producing with Roddenberry Entertainment, who, of course, are the creators of Star Trek. My co-host, David Magadoff, who is an awesome guy. We can talk about him later. It's called Fanatics because people come on, you know, celebrities come on and we ask them to talk about what they are completely obsessed with. And we kind of say, you know, you may know, for example, Tony Hale from Veep and from, you know, this project and that project, but we're not going to talk about any of that today. We're going to talk about his love for indoor malls. And we end up just having the most interesting conversations. And they, if I had to say one thing about the show and what I've learned about like humanity is like, it's true what people say, your youth influences you and and continues to shade and shadow your adulthood because most of the times when we dial really into like, where does this love come from? It dials back to the childhood in, in a lot of different ways. I imagine that 
finding out what somebody is truly obsessed with is just hugely revealing to so much else about their personality. It's like way more, I think it's way more vulnerable in a good way to talk about that than like maybe the most recent project you've been working on or what have you. They've told those stories so many times. And I think that like, even for Jenny and I, like if somebody asks us about like, how did you start the podcast, right? You you just fall, I know she's going to talk first. I know what she's going to say. I know what I'm going to, you just have your rhythm. And whenever something comes up, I think that you haven't talked about before, your brain just works differently. Yes. You know, I think that as an artist uh, in this industry, and now there's so many, you know, interview scenarios and requests and requirements for pushing projects, that it's really nice to have talent be able to come on a show and push aside that whole career thing and just talk about something else they're passionate about. Yeah. You know, Kristen, of all the hell gods with whomst we have podcasted, Mm -hmm. uh, Claire Kramer, top of the list, A number one. What a fucking like VIP, MVP, <laughs> LMNOP, <laughs> AOK, and G-O-D, you know? Yes. <laughs> uh, she rocks and rips so hard, and I'm so pumped. Yeah. To listen to Fanatics when it comes out. I am too. We had, so our plan was to like talk to Claire and give you that little snippet. But we wound up talking to Claire for like 45 minutes about things such as Jenny's obsession with murder mysteries, my obsession with fixing my own plumbing, Claire's uh, journey with cheerleading post Bring It On. You may have heard of that movie. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. we spent like the last half of our conversation getting Claire's entire astrological chart read. So... We loved it so much that we're putting up the whole episode here in the main feed next Thursday. So stay tuned. It's going to go up on Thursday, April 22nd, which is also the day that Fanatics premieres. Uh, Just a huge thank you to Claire for talking to us. And you should get excited because you know what I realized, Jenny, is like we talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer a lot. um, And that's great. That's what we're here to do. But it was just such a delight to have a conversation that was not about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we just were like having a blast with Claire Kramer. Anyhow. Yeah, you know how everyone's always saying, we love it when you talk about stuff that isn't Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Do that more. That's probably They're number like, one feedback. The podcast was really on track until April of 2021 when Kristen decided <laughs> that talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer was not the main focus of the podcast. Mm. <laughs> Anyway, I I do think that you will really enjoy the full episode with Claire. I don't even know. April is just flying off the complete handle because we have like 47 movie watches, as you already heard. And we also have so many episodes in in this week. So today is gone. Tomorrow, you're going to get the episode that we've been working on with Natalie, who you may remember from the segment that she did with us in episode on Willow and Willow's uh, substance use arc. We have a complete spoiler full conversation with Natalie. Jenny and I both sat down to have that conversation and you will get that tomorrow. Next Wednesday, you've got Angel on top. And then next Thursday, you've got our conversation about many things, including astrology with Claire Kramer. If discussing astrology with an actress who played a big bad on Buffy the Vampire Slayer is not queer culture, I don't know what is. Correct. Jenny, normally I would read an email, but we've taken up a lot of time in this intro and we need to go get invisible. So I will just let you know that a subject of a recent email for you specifically was (gasps) meet the air breathing fish 
with poisonous eggs with a link to a YouTube video. So I'll send that to you after we stop taping. (laughs) Hooray! (laughs) All right, let's go get gone. Welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free, in tandem with Angel on top. I, dear listener, am Jenny Owen Young. Just stretch it out. You're part of the intro. (laughs) Finessing it. (laughs) I. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought people enjoyed getting the old razzle dazzle. I am Kristen Russo, and this week we are at 8 a.m. We're recording this podcast at 8 a.m. Jenny made us record it so early, so if we sound different, if my voice sounds an <laughs> octave lower, it's because I've just wrestled myself <laughs> from my blankets. Uh, yes, I am Kristen Russo. This week, hey, we are talking about Buffy, season six, episode 11, Gone. You should stay tuned at the end of this podcast every other week for an original song written by us, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. This week's song, I hope, will be invisible, Uh, but I guess you'll have to stay tuned to find out. Uh Gone was written and directed by David Fury Mm. and originally aired on January 8th, 2002. We've made it to 2002. Look at us go. Uh, Jenny and I were just having a nice laugh about uh, a recent post on the Internet that referred to The Matrix as being released in the late 1900s. So welcome. Welcome. Uh, We've made it past the late 1900s, everyone. This is the one where uh, Buffy's invisible, really, but TV Guide tells us that this is the one where Buffy's efforts to help Willow's recovery are disrupted by a run-in with an intrusive social worker and a spat with Spike. Then she's mistakenly zapped by an invisibility ray wielded by Jonathan, Warren, and Tucker's brother. Just kidding, it says Andrew. At least she gets a new hairdo. Wow. Yay! Wow. Well... I mean, it's adorable. Off we go. Yes, I love Buffy's short hair. I've been sort of like very loosely mirroring Buffy's hair journey. At least I did until the pandemic turned me back to a brunette. Um, But I'm I'm not planning on mirroring the haircut, though. I do think it's very nice, just like Willow and Anya. (laughs) Okay, I was just wondering to myself. Was Buffy wearing a wig in the last episode? Like, when did this haircut happen? How quickly did they write around it? Oh, right. This is, we've just come back after the holiday break. Right. And Sarah Michelle Gellar was like, yo, I want to cut my hair. Uh, And they were like, that will align perfectly thematically with where your character's arc is going. (laughs) I have a lot of haircut feelings. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. You think it's funny, but listen, there's a lot there, Jenny Owen Youngs. Uh Um, Uh But why don't we start at the beginning? Our previously on is kind of lackluster, but you usually get all hyped up on the previously ons. I don't know if you have anything to say there. No, no, no. I'm good. I'm set. (laughs) Great. Basically, the the only notable thing I think in the previously on is remember that there's a trio? Remember them? Remember them? Cool, they're here. Yeah, right. Distantly. Mm -hmm. So 
We start in um, Willow's room where Buffy and Dawn and Willow are gathered. Buffy is clearing, doing what she refers to as a magic clearance. They're basically clearing the house of anything that could be used for magical purposes to help Willow uh, in her recovery. Dawn is fucking pissed off. Uh, Dawn is so mad. Uh, she doesn't understand what we all know to be true, which is that to witches, <laughs> candles are like bombs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as they're cleaning out all of the magic-y stuff, you know, obviously there's stuff Buffy can recognize on site, but then there's stuff that Willow has to let her know about, including, mm-hmm. are you ready? Mm-hmm. A peacock sculpture with two crystals inside mm. that Tara left, which is the gayest thing mm-hmm. that has ever happened on this show to date. Gayer than the levitatolingus. Mm-hmm. Gayer, gayer than, than the, the crystal dildo. Machine. Yeah, it's gayer gay. than the crystal dildo. It's fucking gay. I agree with you. I was like, so, okay. Uh, you know, we, we had a, a brief discussion about who kept the crystal dildo. Quickly, you know, quickly called yeah. out as simply a joke because we all know it was Tara's to begin with. So obviously Tara kept the crystal dildo. Fine. Um, but I did draw sort of a connection here of like they there are probably many crystals used for many purposes in this room. Uh, Tara didn't take these uh, peacock crystals. I didn't I didn't know. I, I paused for a moment, Jenny, for you, because I know that you sit up at night by the light of a candle <laughs> writing your How jokes about crystals yeah, and fucking. <laughs> no, I, no, no. I didn't know if you had any like 1080p HGTV turns of phrases to lay <laughs> upon us. But um, no, no, no. You just wanted to say the crystals are gay. Yes. Crystals are um, canonically gay, uh, just for the record. So, (laughs) Dawn, I was, like, really, I started the scene, I started the episode, like, very, very angry with Dawn. Like, I I thought, I mean, it it is inappropriate that she is fighting this in front of Willow, I think. You know, like, like, why do we have to get rid of this? And why do do we have to get rid of that? So I was, like, pissed off at her, but... Then I thought about it as I was, like, transcribing my notes, and I was like, you know... The truth is that Dawn is, as we see in this episode, she's really upset about what happened last episode and she's mad at Buffy and she's mad at Willow. And this is really mm-hmm. just a vehicle for her to to be fucking pissed. So I get it. Yeah. That was my emotional journey with Dawn. Thank you for listening. <laughs> so, Jenny, we go down to the living room and... Before Buffy goes to the couch, which I would also like to talk about, she's uh, Dawn's pissed off because Buffy says Coco Pelli has to go into the bin with all of the other items that are being cleared. And I I heard the word Coco Pelli and suddenly you were like, transported the sky time. became tie dye. Yes. And I was sucked into it and uh, transported back to the late 90s. When to the late 1900s, when Coco Pelli was <laughs> everywhere. And I thought, oh, this is an interesting moment because, you know, back in the 1990s, I was definitely probably carrying around a keychain that had Coco Pelli on it, completely unaware of the the origin of Coco Pelli or the problematic nature of the fact that I had probably purchased a keychain with Coco Pelli on it. But here I am in 2021. Let me do a little bit of, of research. So do you know anything about Coco Pelli apart from what what we as as white children of the 90s know about Coco Pelli? Uh, he's a dude with a flute. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems pretty stoked. I also am <laughs> just 
projecting he's uh, he him pronouns onto Coco Belly. Uh-huh, that's but so you know, uh, the the vibe of the imaging of Coco Pelli that I have beheld mm-hmm. seems uh, positive, yes, and fun, celebratory. I believe mm-hmm. there's a uh, like god of music and mischief kind of vibe. This mm. could be. Uh, 90s headshot programming. So please, well, tell me and what I, you, you found. Know, <clears throat> this isn't like the deepest dive. I did not become a Coco Pelli scholar overnight, but from the the research that I did do, um, as as you may have imagined, this is uh, imagery rooted in um, Native culture. Uh, originally, it seems to have originated with the Hopi uh, people. And there's various versions. The The image of Coco Pelli has actually been sort of like it's evolved even in native cultures from what I have come to understand. And Coco Pelli has had other names and has also taken the form of an insect. And there's there's a lot of, there's a lot there. Like it wasn't just like this is Coco Pelli. This is who he has always been. Your choice of he him pronouns. Interesting, because Coco Pelli, uh, there are many versions of Coco Pelli where not only is he playing a flute, but he has a very large phallus. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. Um, Not that having a very large phallus determines your pronouns, but just saying that's there. In the episode, Coco Pelli is connected to fertility, and that is, like, loosely accurate. I mean, uh, I think, you know, Coco Pelli has been um, connected to fertility in connection with agriculture. Um, There's a a lot. There's a lot of history. I listened to a bit of a a podcast or a radio recording that I'm going to link in the the show notes. That was really fascinating. Uh, It's an episode of uh, Native America Calling from 2019. It's it's pretty recent, and it's called Coco Pelli Origins, History, and Appropriation. Uh, The Pueblo peoples are also very connected to the image of Coco Pelli. This um, podcast conversation has um, John Gajate, uh, a Pueblo of Laguna and Zuni, Greg Cajete, Santa Clara Pueblo, and Darren Melvin, who is uh, Hopi. Uh, and they have a conversation um, about the history and the roots of Coco Pelli. So I'm going to leave it to them to d- dig deeper into this. But the like appropriative piece of it, I think, is it's pretty clear. Like we've talked a little bit about cultural appropriation. And generally speaking, if like people are making money off of imagery or history of cultures that are not their own, of history that is not their own, that is appropriative. And it cannot be denied that Coco Pelli was so fucking commodified in the 90s. Uh, I found some some like really extreme examples of the commodification of Coco Pelli, like Golfer Pelli, a steel sculpture sold in a 1995 holiday catalog that depicts a contemporary version of Coco Pelli, but instead of a flute, he has a golf club. And the description of this for sale sculpture is, it is believed that Coco Pelli could make the wind talk and call the clouds. Perhaps Golfer Pelli can improve your swing. Uh... If that isn't the most disgusting example, like that, that's it. That's just like, you couldn't, you couldn't condense commodification uh, of culture into a better fucking thing than that. Um, also, there's there is a 30 foot tall Cocopelli statue in Arizona that used to be outside of like a souvenir trading post shop that that souvenir, sh- which was also, I'm sure, problematic and not OK. But what's really just uh 
making matters worse is that that souvenir shop is now a Starbucks. So no. in Arizona, there's just a Starbucks with a 32 foot tall Cocopelli statue in front of it. So just like fucking, you know, I'm going to I'm just going to play it. I might as well fucking play it. White people, especially, please stop. Please just stop. Let's play the white supremacy jingle. You know what that sounds like to me? White supremacy. Woven in not too subtly. White supremacy. Open your eyes and that's where you'll find it. Crush that. White supremacy. I can't believe I can't believe I'm learning there's more to Coco Pelli than I was made aware of by <laughs> my visits to local head shop ahead of our time, oh. spelled with a Y, time spelled uh, oh, with a Y. ahead of our time with a Y, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, oh, wow. So, okay. One okay. more thing happens in this scene, Jenny. Do you want to talk about it? Oh, my gosh. How many things have I lost in my couch cushions, mm. quarters, pennies, nickels, dimes, uh, small, uh, round, flat lithium batteries? Uh, <laughs> Anything else, Jenny? <laughs> perhaps uh, not I, but perhaps some uh, compact, well-muscled undead man uh left this lighter here. yeah good lighter it's like it's a classic zippo totally uh, a lighter that spike would use to light his morley cigarettes i've been watching twin peaks and they have morley cigarettes there and i always get very excited about like a universe oh, wow. in which spike bumps into you know diane and they buy a pack of morley cigarettes together <laughs> anyway um Buffy's like very conveniently timing her speech about giving in to temptation. And uh... yes, she throws the lighter into the box of things that should be removed from the house to limit temptation. Certainly not uh, for Willow's sake, but for her own. And Jenny, I, I had a, a bit of a flash here because there's been another moment where Buffy has gone over to this exact couch, to this exact cushion, and found something that reminded her of an old bow. Do you remember? Oh, my God. I remember what it was. It was... <laughs> Inexplicably... It was an entire sweater, <laughs> an entire sweater that had been there for one to two months yep. by the time she discovered it, belonging to none other than Riley Finn. Yep. One military issue, green, <laughs> ribbed, fucking so just cadet like, sweater. You know, I just like, I want to see the like the smash cut of like every boyfriend that Buffy has ever had and the mm -hmm. item that is hidden in the couch cushions from that boyfriend yeah, and how like, they oh, line up. Owen was here. I know because here is a an Emily Dickinson tome. <laughs> oh, oh, a handful of buttons. Angel must have been here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, we go to the lair. I just can't stop calling it a lair, and I get mad at myself every time I write it in my notes because I know they don't deserve for it to be called a lair, but it's it's too late. It's over. Yeah. There's so uh, much... nerds are turning a chair invisible. I... Yeah, they're turning a chair invisible. There's just a delightful, like, spread of late 90s, early aughts in the 
first bit of this scene where like Jonathan saunters over eating a Twizzler, Andrew trailing behind in a SpongeBob t-shirt. And you're just like, uh-huh. wow, like just hitting yeah. a lot of moments. They're going for it. Yeah, yeah, there's an invisible chair bit. Um, we learn that the invisible ray gun works. Uh, that's what this scene is here for. It's my favorite part of the invisible chair. Jonathan sits down in it. But before Jonathan sits down in it, Andrew is like touching it. And Andrew's miming hands are a delight. A delight. Andrew <laughs> Andrew gets me every fucking time. He really does. Like his expressions are wonderful and... He's just fun. So, yeah, um, they turn the chair invisible. The the thing works. There's a lot of like, cheer up, Frodo. More ILM, less Ed Wood. A lot of, lot of like, we are nerds. Did you know we are nerds? Um, <laughs> ILM, just in case you were wondering, is uh, Industrial Light and Magic, which is the Lucas property that does the special effects for Star Wars. So, nerds, wow. nerds, 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 nerds. Yes. Credits. Um... Okay, it's breakfast time at the Summer's House. Mm. Willow bringing back the Sunnydale classic of a matching pajama set. Yeah. Wee-oo, wee-oo. Dawn (laughs) does not want Willow's apology omelet. Uh, It's true. Dawn is huffing about. Yeah, and Buffy, something has gotten into Buffy's hair because it is is like Lana Del Rey level... I can only think of Lana Del Rey like circa 2012 when I saw yeah, no, that's this appropriate. wig on Buffy. Not that Lana Del Rey yeah. was wearing. I don't even know if Lana Del Rey was wearing a wig, but it is a wig. It is. You know that something must be about to happen to the hair of Buffy Summers because it is yeah. just a bad wig. It's a bad wig. You know, I think we can all agree. It doesn't look very it's, natural. It's flowing. It's doing so, its thing. Yeah. So, so Willow is um, sort of. Buffy checks in on Willow, which I think is important. She's like, how are you doing? Willow's like, I'm doing a little bit better. I'm a little less shaky than I was, you know, yesterday or the day before or whatever. Dawn really coming into her own as a teenager in this episode. Finally, they have given Dawn the characteristics of a 15-year-old. She's like, go fuck yourself. Fuck you. Fuck you. As you know, I'm watching Twin Peaks. Fuck your omelet. So I just am thinking of, like, the Diane energy of, like, fuck you, Albert. Uh, <laughs> but it, but it's Dawn, and she's like, fuck you, Willow. Fuck you, Buffy. And Willow, when Dawn leaves, uh-huh. also not- notable is that uh, Dawn's arm is in a sling. You know, like, Dawn is, um. has been pretty hurt. And um, Dawn leaves, and Willow is confused about why. Like, she gets that Dawn is mad at her, but she doesn't understand why she's mad at Buffy. Buffy has a pretty astute moment, I think. And she's like, she's mad at me because you were drowning. You're my best friend. And I didn't notice that you were drowning in your own experiences and and your own trauma because I was too wrapped up in my own stuff. And it's like, what? Self-awareness conversation. Buffy, this is good. You should do this more often, Mm -hmm. but in advance. Mm -hmm. Might rob us of a season of television, though. (laughs) True. Uh, smooth entrance from Spike. Oh, your little match girl is back. Yes, my little match girl is back looking for his lighter. Have you seen it? 
No, she says. Buffy lies. Oh, my God. It's fucking... I took a stroll and I was in the neighborhood. Spike. Spike. Yes. Good. Just tell the truth. You missed Buffy. Willow leaves the room to Buffy's, like, sheer panic because she doesn't want to be alone with this uh, marble vampire body that Hmm. she simply cannot resist and he Uh spike is spike is you know going in uh well if i don't if you don't want me to call you love what should i call you should i call you pet should i call you sweetheart should i call you goldilocks (laughs) my your hair looks odd goldilocks (laughs) um (laughs) and then spike makes a really fucking gross comment that's just like i love the way your hair bounces when and we all get ready to vomit but don't worry buffy grabs a spatula a lot of spatula action uh, happening in the Buffy and Angel verse the last couple of episodes. It's true. Um, Spike announces that this flapjack's not ready to be flipped, whatever that means. Uh, and they are way too close to each other, and there's some heavy breathing, and then enter Xander. I mean, like, this is sexually intense. Like... This is just to like hearken us back to a couple weeks ago when they knocked down a house and we were like, wow, this is this is not what you wanted to be watching with your parents when you were 12 to 14 years Uh, old. Or I'll say even 40. I don't I still don't want to watch this with my parents. (laughs) But (laughs) like this is Buffy is like, don't stop. But very clearly is like, don't stop. (laughs) And. Yeah, Xander walks in. I mean, it. How does Xander not recognize what is happening here? It seems like yeah, that's ludicrous. Uh, it seems like, but we... he can't even conceive of it as a possible truth because, as he says, only a complete loser would ever hook up with you, Spike. Oh, and then in a one-two punch, knocks our fa- two of our favorite characters down without even taking a breath between it. A simpleton like Harmony or a nutsack like Drew. Xander, how dare you, sir? Get out of here. No, 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 no. Put respect back on Harmony's name and Drusilla's name. They both deserve it. And, you know, in my opinion, Spike has pretty great taste. (laughs) (laughs) Ding dong. Doris is here. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, that actress is Susan Rutten, who was on L.A. Law for like six or seven years. Yeah, this is and this is an also actress. seems to have been on every show right. ever. Yes, she it's Doris. It, Doris rings the bell and the door opens, and you're like that lady. Like she's she's one of that these actors that like just has been on every show for like at least a handful of episodes, and you recognize her, but you don't know why. Yeah, she's like it's it's Wednesday, and that's when our appointment is. And Buffy's like, oh shit, I didn't even realize it was Wednesday, and it's sort of a um comedy of errors with this social worker visit spike is refusing to leave the house dawn as she left was like what are you gonna do crash another car with me inside of it man and like you know it's just it's not going oh my god it's so painful to watch (laughs) what a mess yeah spike does this like pivot where he's at first just like oh i'm fucking pissed i'm gonna sit here and then buffy's like uh doris from fucking social services and then spike bounces out of the chair and is like buffy's a great mom oh hey buffy's a great mom she takes good care of her little sis like um when dawn was hanging out too much in my crypt buffy put right stop to it i'm sorry did you say 
Crib. <laughs> he said crib. Then Buffy, I don't know why. I think she's just panicking. She makes the very poor decision to lie about who lives in the house and is like, just me and Don. Oh Nobody God. else lives here. And Willow's like, okay, I'm taking my nap. Good night. <laughs> you know how you always yell down to your friend <laughs> to let them know you're taking a nap? <laughs> Um, that, that, that like kind of spins out this do, does this social worker care about a parental figure or guardian being gay? It's like really glossed over. It happens really quickly and it's kind of unclear. You can't really pin if the point was to show us that perhaps Doris will care or the point is that perhaps Buffy thinks Doris will care. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah, Doris makes a lot of faces over the course of this whole <laughs> sputterfest, but it's really not clear. Like it what seems she like feels. Doris, not to give Doris too much credit, but it does seem like Doris is just trying to gather information. Like, you know, like so okay, so you live here, you live here with your girlfriend. Like, and I'm not I don't mean to give Doris more credit than she deserves, but it it isn't made clear. We can't easily say, like, wow, Doris think- is homophobic. Yeah, I think the 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 biggest strike against Buffy from Doris's POV is that Buffy seems to have very little idea about what is going on. Exactly, exactly. She's like, uh, yeah, no, that's not my boyfriend. His blanket, it's a security blanket. Uh, Willow, she's gay, but I'm not gay. Anyway, it's Wednesday. We don't what? we don't gay. <laughs> um This Dor- weed? Whoa. It's actually magic weed. Magic and weed. It's Why not mine. Just say sage. It's sage. Just it's say not sage. Weed. Maniac. What the fuck. Buffy's having a get bad day. It together. Yeah. Buffy's having a bad day, and she's spiraling. Uh, the more the more she gets answers wrong, the more she gets answers wrong. We've all been there, and yeah. I don't know my like formal opinion on social services as a uh, state sanctioned uh, endeavor. I think that there is probably some stuff to unpack there with like where police are involved, where they are not, what's happening here, what have you. But Doris's opinion that her job is to look out for Dawn's best interests and the stability of her home life does seem like something someone should be paying attention to. Sure, yeah. And I think that her assessment of the environment is accurate. (laughs) In a vacuum where we have no opinions about anything else except uh, Doris's self-described job description and her assessment of the Summers household from this snapshot, (laughs) Doris did nothing wrong. Yes. Uh, and, And her... Her her report is her what she tells Buffy is that Buffy is on probation, which means that they're just going to be keeping a closer watch on what's happening at on Ravello Drive, which uh, is unfortunate because you don't really want to pay close attention to what's happening here on Ravello Drive at any point in time. It's, no. it's usually never stable, safe or good, <laughs> unfortunately. So, no. So uh, Doris sweeps out Spike. <sighs> Sweeps back in. There's a moment of against the wall pocket digging that we think is one thing, but then it's just a lighter retrieval mission. Against the wall pocket digging. Third base. Third base. 
Uh, then uh, Spike sweeps out himself, commenting yeah. on Buffy's hair as she goes, and thus she is left with absolutely no option but to go off with the scissors. So, first of all, Buffy put the go lighter. get your scissors out. Oh, my God. Buffy put the lighter in that box, and that lighter is in Buffy's pocket, which means that yeah, Buffy- magic. Buffy put the lighter in that fucking box, and then Buffy took the lighter out of that goddamn box. Yeah, she did. So, that is indicative of a thing. But, yeah, let's go upstairs. <clears throat> um, Buffy goes upstairs. When we watched this episode in, like, pre-production of this season, I was screaming at my television because I have a culturally... Um, a cultural moment, pop cultural moment that shifted my experience as a living person on this planet was when Britney Spears shaved her head publicly during what was a horrific time in the life of Britney Spears and a horrible time to witness what like media can do to a person. Uh, I have I could do an entire podcast series on like Britney Spears and Britney Spears's journey and other people I'm sure are doing that and there's a documentary you can watch it but um when I saw Buffy cutting her hair this is 2002 uh Britney Spears uh shaved her head in 2007 the early aughts were like a a a big time for me as a person in my 20s also going through like mental health um struggles and like learning what anxiety was and what have you, where I I just have this very deep-rooted connection to women who cut their hair short uh, and, like, what that means and where that's rooted. And so Jenny's looking at me like, oh, God, why did I ever ask you to do a podcast with me? (laughs) No, no, no. I'm strapped in and ready for the drop. But, like, you know, I mean, hair, you could talk about hair in a million ways, right? Hair has, like, massive significance across the span of time. But, like, Buffy's cutting of her hair seems to be rooted in a place of, like, reclaiming, like, reclaiming power, reclaiming, like, her ownership of herself, you know? Like, she's defining who she is. Um, And I think that that's, like, a massive part of, like, Britney to use a real person uh, and just in general, like women cutting their hair. I mean, queer culture to bring it in. Right. Like the the uh, image of a lesbian with a shaved head is entirely like that. That narrative of like a lesbian with short hair is this like rejection of feminine ideals and this rejection of like Mm. what we are told we are supposed to do with our hair as women. It's more complicated than that. But this podcast is not about haircuts uh it's about are we sure i mean I, I we may have just that's... we may have just had a fundamental shift I... <laughs> but i just think that this is such a big thing and it, and it it, it yeah. hits me personally um i think that there's a lot happening for buffy and i think that like if you look at the history of women and their hair you will just find actually you might be listening to this podcast right now and you might be like writing me an email because you're like Kristen, you have to watch this documentary or you have to i'm sure that there is a treasure trove of <laughs> People smarter than me talking about women and their relationship to their hair. But I thought you were going to say you might be listening to this podcast right now, angrily hacking off your long, (laughs) luscious locks. Feel free to use me ranting about women and their relationship to their hair as the soundtrack to your own haircut. Feel free. More power to you. Everybody cut off your fucking hair. Um, but it's, it's, it it is so big. It's, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar, I guess, wanted to cut her hair, but it does seem quite amazing that like 
that moment for her as an actor aligned with this moment in Buffy's journey because Buffy is so deeply in a place where she is wanting to free herself from a particular emotional experience and an emotional place in life and like this image of of herself from before and like reclaim some kind of new version of herself and and so there's I just think there's mental health in this. I think that there's patriarchy in this. I'm playing the jingle later, so like hold your patriarchy bells and whistles for a minute. But mm. um, there's a lot. There's also like I don't think that B- uh, Buffy cutting her hair has anything specifically to do with like her being desired by Spike. But I do again connecting it to like the quote that like Britney Spears said when she shaved her head was I'm so sick of people touching my hair. I don't want people to touch me anymore. And like removing this thing from herself was like a way to get people to leave her alone. And so the fact that just before this scene, Spike is downstairs saying how much he loves Buffy's hair, I think also is something to think about, about like why she's chosen to cut her hair. So Wow, Kristen Nolene Russo activated. I'm so sorry. Yeah. And you're so welcome. But I just like I have a lot of fucking <laughs> feelings, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's off to the salon, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, you know, Buffy didn't have any YouTube tutorial videos <laughs> to watch, nor did she have the uh, emotional space to let them into her heart. Uh, and she's made a bit of a mess. Uh, not so much of a mess that I think this stylist's reaction is warranted. Yeah, I, I think I can work with this. I don't know. Seems a little <laughs> over the top. But lo, across the street, oh god, I some hope fucking you nerds with an enormous freeze ray gun, yeah, very inconspicuous, are prepared to enter. Here's their big plan: a uh, waxing salon. They're going to go turn themselves Ooh. invisible and watch women be waxed. Sunnydale has what is referred to on the window as Bikini Wax Wednesdays. So (laughs) I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that this trio of fucking ding-dongs showed up for Bikini Wax Wednesdays with their invisible ray gun. Wow. Before they can do whatever the fuck they were going to get up to, they see Buffy across the street. A scuffle over the freeze ray ensues, and Buffy, one pylon... One dumpster and maybe like a tree and a fire hydrant are all invisible. It's just like this, like mass, uh, it, like the, uh, the way that it, it ricochets. I mean, uh, I know that this diamond has some quasi quantum whatever Willow says about it, but it's really something the way that it is working. Uh, so yeah, B- Buffy's invisible. She doesn't miss a fucking beat. She's just like cool. Fucking Dawn's in Trouble must be a Tuesday. Buffy's Invisible must be a Wednesday. <laughs> like moving. Bikini Wax Wednesday. Bikini Wax Wednesday. Oh my God, our podcast releases on Bikini Wax Wednesdays. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> um, so, yes. Buffy's Invisible cut to a classic Buffy like <laughs> hard cut. Uh, scene change. Uh, what happened to Buffy? She's gone. But oh, it's just the uh seating plan for Xander and Anya's upcoming wedding. Uh, little do they know she's invisible, but now she's here. So um, 
Also, I'm sorry, but don't skip over the blah, blah, blah. Buffy can't sit with my parents. But then Anya's like, but where do I put Dehoffrin? I just feel like it's important. Dehoffrin's got to come to the wedding. Of course he does. And also a note to anyone planning a wedding. Don't do wedding seating. Why would you do it to yourself? Just have giant tables and let people sit where they're going to sit. Okay. Um. Another word to the wise, mm-hmm. if your friend is invisible and they are in the same room with you, don't reach out for them with your hands at boob height. Yeah. Xander. Just simply don't. Xander. I'm, I wish we had like a Xander honk at this point that we could just like, Ooh. you know, just like a little honk that every time Xander yeah, does something. Yeah, or a little spray bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Xander. Xander. Off. Hands at not boob level. Haven't you learned? Um really fun callback here to uh marcy and out of mind out of sight have you been feeling ignored says xander and he says no this isn't a marcy deal i love that they say her name i thought it was like nice because the whole reason that marcy disappeared is because nobody fucking paid attention to her so it was nice that like her name got a shout in this um anya starting the running bit here Caring much more about Buffy cutting her hair than Buffy being <laughs> invisible, which I love. Yeah. How short? I mean, apparently I, I also care more about Buffy cutting her hair than Buffy being invisible since I just ranted about it for an hour and a half. Uh-huh. 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 We get some delightful floating painted balls <laughs> and a skull. Buffy's just really, her slapstick instinct has been activated she's having she's having a blast she says it this is kind of fun she's happy because you know cutting your hair is one way to reinvent yourself but i'll tell you an even better way is get fucking struck by an invisibility ray and run Mm -hmm. around fucking clanking eyeballs together and making a skull talk that's fun she's right i get it listen she's been under a lot of pressure lately and this seems like a nice release for her Mm -hmm. she tells xander and anya to keep researching she's gonna go for a walk yes after she leaves xander and anya are chatting some more and they're like hmm could it be willow right you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So Xander goes over to the Summer's house and he's going to talk to Willow. He does like a pretty decent job, I think, of, I mean... It's not perfect, but he does say he 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 asks Willow if she has done this and says, like, I'm it, like, I'm not meaning to judge you. Relapse is a part of recovery. Like he is approaching it, I think, with as much sensitivity as Xander can muster. Um, but Willow is, of course, really pissed because she's she's it's taking her so much effort to get through the day at this point without mm-hmm. the use of magic so so you know that undercut feeling of like i'm working so hard and you still are just gonna assume that like if something magical happens it's me yeah it also probably doesn't help that uh a millisecond before xander opens the door willow is almost making a book fly to her but then doesn't yeah yeah totally uh, shout out to Xander, a phrase I say so infrequently, but I love the line rhymes with Blinvisible. Nice. <laughs> That's real good. I laugh. I mean, it does. It does. It does. Uh, and, and when you're writing, uh, the lyrics for this week's song, Jenny, you know, don't forget that invisible rhymes with Blinvisible. Ooh. You might that's... not find that in rhyme dictionary. Yeah. Thank you. So... It's very helpful. <laughs> you know, I think I think everyone has valid emotional responses in this scene. Like Willow being angry makes sense. Xander thinking perhaps this was Willow also makes sense. And he says, let's not forget yeah. the forgetting. Let's not forget that it was only like a couple episodes ago that you erased all of our minds and we almost died. Willow also goes for a walk. Everybody's taking walks. This episode is called Gone, colon, take a walk. Out for it's a walk. <laughs> Invisible bitch. Meanwhile, at Nerd Central, it is revealed that the invisibility ray is fried. Uh, their plan, which was all about naked women, has been ruined. So Buffy is off being a prankster, just pranking all of Sunnydale with her invisible powers. She begins uh, by telling this <laughs> unassuming woman with her... This s- woman's just trying to like read a book on a bench, Buffy. <laughs> a studded cap is not a good idea, she says, and throws this woman's hat into the trash bin. Um, then she says, so long, copper, and hops into a fucking little cop mobile, which always a uh-huh. fan, always a fan of stealing a cop mobile from a cop, cop when you're mobile. invisible. That's what they're officially called. Uh, when uh-huh. they do the uh, really fucked up police budgets, one of the line items is little cop mobiles. Yes. <laughs> so... Buffy rides the little cop mobile over to the social services building Hmm. and pulls a prank on Doris Kroger, which is pretty fucked up. I I, like I think this is pretty fucked up. It is fucked up, but I will say it is expertly 
executed. Yes, that's true. She's essentially making Doris think that she is uh, like losing her mind by moving her coffee mug. I just like panic glanced at my coffee mug. <laughs> Same. <laughs> is it there? It's there. Okay. I'm fine. Uh- <laughs> Uh, she's moving Doris's coffee mug back and forth and she's like whispering kill. I mean, has Buffy just watched The Shining? Like, is that like where, yeah. like she's so, she's whispering kill, kill, kill. She types out on the keyboard, um, all work and no play make Doris a dull girl. Literally taken from The Shining, of course. Doris is like, my mug is moving and it's talking to me. The supervisor sees that... Doris is a dull girl because all work and no play have made her that way. And he he takes Doris (laughs) off of the case. (laughs) Uh, You mentioned something, I think, in our last episode about the, like, change of the frame and how you could see, like, Willow in the frame before you were supposed to see Willow. You Mm -hmm. can, the the strings that are underneath the keyboard pulling the keys down are, like, in Uh, full effect. And you can see that. it's, It's pretty funny. Also... I didn't, like, spend a long time looking at them, but there's definitely a J that's being hit over and over and over again, and there's no J in <laughs> all work and no play make Doris a dull girl. <laughs> Detective Jenny. That's right. I wrote it down in my little notebook. Did you notice that as uh, Invisibuffy leaves, she's whistling, and she's whistling going through the motions? <gasps> no, I did not ah, notice that. Yes. Wow. Pretty fun. Pretty fun. Yeah, I love that. D- um, look at little Willow. She's just out there with her little can of spray paint. She's spray- yep, this is very scullying fun. the day away. I I would love to be able to spray paint invisible objects. It's, it seems very satisfying, you know, to like find the shape of an invisible thing by spray painting it. So she's found <laughs> the beginnings of a dumpster. Um, she has found <laughs> the a beginnings high- of a dumpster. <laughs> the Jenny Owen Young story. <laughs> She's found um, a hydrant, which she hasn't spray painted, but she found some paint on that happened after it was invisibilized and um, Uh a pylon. Uh She's also found tire marks um, that they'd skidded. And so Xander rolls up and Xander's like, what are you doing? And Willow's like, here is all the evidence I have found and gathered. (laughs) I think Xander serves to be more impressed with her, truthfully, but... He goes back with the pylon um, to investigate the pylon properties with Anya. And Willow is like, I'm taking this fucking paint sample to... I don't understand what Willow does with the paint sample. And Is she like pulling a fucking Mona Lisa from My Cousin Vinny shit right now? Is she like... The car that made these two equal length tire marks had pause attraction. Can't make those marks without pause attraction, which was not available on the 64 Buick Skylark. Give me the deleted scene where Willow calls up Mona Lisa and they have a chat. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, you deserve it. I deserve it. So, um, meanwhile, Spike is watching a horror movie that I don't think is real because I tried to find it and I couldn't. But we hear the line, oh, my God, the blood, the blood. And Spike's like, oh, yeah, blood. That's a good idea. mm, Thirsty. Yeah. It's like when you watch, if you're me and you watch a movie that has like a person smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, oh, yeah, cigarette. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) So 
The door opens. Spike's like, ah, fucking ghost. We never get ghosts in Sunnydale. And <laughs> then the ghost pushes Spike up against a wall and, and oops. rips his shirt. Oops, the biggest oops of all time. Whoops. Yeah. Uh, opens Spike's shirt. And we're led to believe that the lips of one Buffy Summers on a particular part of the body Whoa. of Spike. I mean, I don't know what part, but Whoa. apparently it is a recognizable feeling because Spike is like, Buffy? Oh my God. What? Uh, it is my job as the host of uh-huh. this podcast to talk about what happens on the television Here, show. Uh, other ways that Spike could know maybe that it might be Buffy. Uh, clocking the teeny tiny size of the fingers uh, wrapped around his arms, pinning them to the wall. Uh, the uh, Buffy's uh, perfume, probably. Uh, other stuff that I haven't thought of yet. Don't agree. I think it's very okay. clear. I think it's made very clear. Whatever. T- talk to hmm. somebody else about it, not us. We're moving along. All right. So, <laughs> so I, I'm laughing, but I'm about to go into like a, a just a little bit of a serious place because. Buffy says to Spike, once he recognizes what's going on, I told you, stop trying to see me. And so, like, just a moment, please, where we recognize that Buffy is invisible and she's chosen to do a few things. Uh, Remove a woman's studded cap, um, psychologically torment Doris so that Dawn isn't at risk of being taken away from her, and visit Spike to have sex with him while invisible and playing on the fact that she just told him in the last scene with him that she doesn't want to see him anymore. And I think we've already talked about it. Obviously, there's a lot of fucking problematic shit going on the path from Spike to Buffy. But there's also a lot of really problematic shit going down the pathway from Buffy to Spike. A lot of saying shit and doing another thing happening in this dynamic. Last time I checked, Mm -hmm. saying one thing Mm -hmm. and doing something else. Mm -hmm. Pretty human. (laughs) I'm also, gonna, not illegal. I, I'm going to keep that pause in there and let you know that during that pause, Jenny's eyeballs d- made a complete 45 degree angle up to the <laughs> ceiling for that entire time. And j- she just sat frozen looking up at the ceiling. Okay. <clears throat> to the magic box we go. Anya, still trying to figure out. I told you, Anya, don't assign seating. It'll be so much easier for you. The pile- uh, Ew, she says. Touching the pylon. An unpleasant tactile experience. Really, they do a good job with making it feel like I feel what they're feeling in this weird effect that they use. It's gross. Uh, It takes me back to like a blue goo time in this series. Ah, yes. Uh, So, yeah, Xander puts this together and is like, yo, whatever happened to this fucking pylon is going to happen to Buffy. And now, why isn't it already happening to Buffy? One might wonder. Well, I mean, the properties of a. But also, I think probably the integrity of like the molecular integrity of a pylon is is a bit different than the molecular. <laughs> okay, Dr. Russo. Excuse me, let me go get my Baby, lab coat. You're needed, you're okay. needed in the lab. <laughs> You've been paged to the lab. Anyway, 
Uh, Anya, on the level of my lab coat wearing self, looks basically to camera. She doesn't, but it feels like she looks to camera in this moment when she's like, she's pudding. It's like this. <laughs> it's just like a funny moment because it doesn't really fit the rest of the like comedy, but I still like it. The trio is arguing their their constant argument is that. Andrew and Jonathan believe themselves to be simple crime lords, not harming (laughs) anyone at all physically, just doing crime. And Warren is like, fucking kill, kill, kill. Speaking of kill, kill, kill. Warren doesn't give a fuck. He wants to murder the Slayer. He wants to, he just wants to fucking fuck shit up. He doesn't, he has no, um, there's not much morality happening in Warren's journey. Jonathan and Andrew are trying to lay down the law. Priority number one, we have to make Buffy uninvisible so that she doesn't turn into pudding. Yeah, and Warren, like, agrees, but obviously does not agree. He just says yes to make these dudes go away. Andrew is so pleased with the power of Jonathan in this (laughs) moment. Yeah, that nod of affirmation. (laughs) Yeah, you did it, man. Robert Redford in the woods. Way to stand up to this fucking guy. Spikes! House. Here's here's the thing. Ah. Here's the thing. If you walked in to someone's boudoir <laughs> and they were definitely shirtless, under a sheet from the waist down, and uh, pumping, would you Did say pumping? Continue or humping? into the room and speak to them, or would you? Raise your hands yep. and silently turn yep. around and leave. I would and wait. I would silently leave and wait unless I was Xander and I had a little bit of interest in perhaps uh, the naked <laughs> form of. Oh, really? One spike. Just saying. So, did you say pumping <laughs> or humping? I said pumping. Pumping. Okay, yeah. Pumping, I think, is correct. Um, uh, Spike is having sex with Invisible Buffy. Marty Noxon uh, famously on record as saying, I desperately did not want this scene in the show. I did not want invisible sex, but... (laughs) But here we are. Here we are. Xander is like, after your exercises... <laughs> because Spike Spike says he's exercising. Why doesn't Spike yeah. just say he's having sex with a ghost? Like it seems entirely oh, yeah. plausible in this universe. Great, yeah, great, rip. Oh. great nibbling of the Spike lobe here. Oh, my God, don't you think it's good? I think it's good. I think it's uh, foolish. Yeah, but Buffy doesn't give a fuck. Buffy's just fucking playing around. Also, Xander knows, like... Buffy's invisible. How does he not... (laughs) It's just inconceivable to him. Yeah, I know. So, Buffy is nibbling Spike's ear while Xander is having a conversation with Spike. There's a lot going on. Xander leaves and is like, you should really get a girlfriend, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Spike. And then then we turn serious again. Spike making a very good point. The only reason you're here is that you aren't here. I don't like these games. Then he throws her out. Yeah. And she's like, counterpoint. (laughs) Okay. Well, Jenny's not going to tell you what the counterpoint (laughs) is, but she told me by moving her head like razzmatazz from last episode. (laughs) That's true. Over Zoom. (laughs) 
<laughs> counterpoint. Yeah. So perhaps the counterpoint is uh, completed and then Buffy is actually kicked completed. out because she's mad. She's mad. She's kicking a can. She's mad. I haven't seen somebody kick a can in a dog's age and I'm loving it. <laughs> Uh, she's mad at Spike. She does an impersonation of Spike and says, birds of a bloody feather. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Willow is at the E-pump. I said it already, but I just want to really make sure that you all understand that Willow is at the E-pump. Has the espresso pump been rebranded to the E-pump? I know. I assume that the E-pump is the internet cafe section of the espresso pump. Oh, you know. Great. Of course they're going to call it the E-pump because it's the, you know, like... Thank you. Yes. Yeah. The Ethernet pump. (laughs) Mm, Pump that Ethernet. (laughs) The email pump. No. So, (laughs) speaking of, wow, we've said pump so much in this episode, and it's meant so many different things. So, Willow finds whatever she needs to find. She doesn't use magic again. She really is like, Fucking, you can hear the modem in the background just struggling to reach dial tone. And she's like, (laughs) but she doesn't use magic. And then Buffy goes home. No one's home. She opens the fridge and then Dawn arrives. Sneaking in, like looking like a thief in the night. And Buffy takes this opportunity. She's still high on life uh, to make a pizza box fly. And... Dawn is so deeply disturbed by this. Uh, and there's some shrieking. There's some storming out. Yeah. And like, good on Dawn. Like, Dawn is recognizing something important here, which is like, why don't you care? Right? Why don't you care about anything? Like, that's how it's feeling. And like, that's what Buffy started to connect the dots about in the beginning of this episode was like, Dawn's mad at me because I didn't recognize what was wrong with you. Like Dawn is upset because Dawn, like a puppy, is sensing a lot of trauma that is unresolved. And it is a classic trauma sensing puppy. (laughs) You know, like when you if you get like in a fight with your partner, but you have a dog and the dog gets really upset. (laughs) Dogs know. Okay. When I fell down the stairs. Uh, on the day of the release of our musical, which is actually not the most recent time I've fallen down my own stairs. (laughs) Uh, Frank was very supportive. Very, very, very supportive. Uh, Dogs know. Don't mock dogs and their ability to know. Uh, One other thing to, two other things to point out in this scene. One is that Buffy says, Xander and Anya are moldering it out. Thought you might like that, yeah, Yeah. Love that shit. Uh, yes. And Buffy gets a message on the message machine. Oh, one, it says. <laughs> Hi. Now, see. Jenny, it's Marina. Yeah. I've been thinking about no. you. Wrong no. message. Wrong message. The message is, hey, it's Xander, and this shit is slowly killing you. A terrible message to receive. Yeah. Is he talking about the invisibility ray, or is he talking about season six? Of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, both slowly both. killing us. Uh-huh. Well, finds the van. <laughs> this is very cool. But maybe don't go into a lair all by yourself with no backup. Well, reminder, you know? the lair is simply the basement of Warren's mother. So it probably doesn't seem all that intimidating. 
Willow is yeah. nerding the fuck out. It's really cute. Willow's had like oh, a couple yeah. of days of just like scraping tire rubber off of the road and <laughs> fucking Googling shit, but not Googling because it wasn't Google then. And she looks at the plans for this invisibility ray and she's all excited. And I would like permission to play Willow's jingle because this is the moment. Let it be so. the square root of 1225 willow who's gentle of heart and nimble with a hard drive willow 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 oh duct tape over the mouth (laughs) duct tape over over the the mouth mouth. short-lived triumph because willow Mm -hmm. has some duct tape over her mouth she has been Taken hostage. Congratulations. You're our first hostage. Cool. Summer's house. Phone call. Ring, ring. It's Jonathan being real good at being Jonathan. Yeah. I'm I'm nobody. Nobody. No one you know. (laughs) Bobby's like, your voice sounds, why didn't they have Andrew call? The one that she doesn't know. Great question. Meet us at the arcade, he says. We don't hear it, but we gather because they... Meet him at the arcade in the next scene. Willow is the only member of the party who is visible. She's standing with her back up against a pinball machine. Buffy walks up to her and she's like, are you okay? Willow's like, yes, I'm fine. Uh, (laughs) Then Warren, I believe, says, you know, we've got you surrounded. Willow is immediately like, they're bluffing. There's about three of them, I think. Uh, And two of them are playing a video game right now. (laughs) Love, love Invisible Jonathan and Invisible Andrew playing a video game. Fantastic. And um, Warren is like, hey, don't worry. We'll fix you. You just have to stand still. And Willow looks down at the Invisiray gun and in the one and a half minutes that she had to examine the plans, realizes, uh, no, that's for continued molecular deterioration. (laughs) Warren called me to find out how to invent that. I told him that the human molecular structure was different than a pylon and it needs two doses. Of course. Yes. Thank God you were there. Thank God. Um, And... So then, uh, what? Buffy throws the air hockey puck at Warren's head. Uh-huh. He drops the gun. There's like an invisible scuffle. Um, I'm this sure is that the eff- truly the- great. It is. It's great. And uh, what a relief for the stunt doubles. You know, they got the day off. Yeah. It's just the camera swinging back and forth between a couple locations. At one point, the pinball machine does get smashed by someone landing on it. Mm -hmm. Also, before they start fighting, there's a great, like, let's take this somewhere private, like, over there. And everyone in unison is like, where? Because (laughs) everyone is invisible. (laughs) Uh, It's great. It's good. It's It's really good. Yeah, it's very funny. Uh, but this fight camera work with absolutely no subjects, hilarious. Amazing. Um, I saved the patriarchy jingle for this moment when, and I told Jenny before we started taping that this may be my favorite moment in the whole episode because Willow picks up the gun 
sets it to revisible. Thank God. The instructions are clear here. (laughs) Revisibilize the invisible people. And she's trying to figure out how to revisibilize the people. And um, Buffy, the boys just keep talking. They like, they they just just won't shut up. They will not shut up. And Buffy says, just keep talking, boys. Literally the reason (laughs) that they they are (laughs) defeated is because they will not shut up. To which I say... So everybody is revisibled and Jonathan has chest hair to the surprise of Buffy Summers. We begin a gag. Perhaps (laughs) it will continue of Warren, Jonathan, who's that guy? And Andrew's like, <laughs> I uh, sent the flying monkeys during the school play. Um, remember me? Tucker's brother. Oh, Tucker's brother. Tucker's brother. Mm. So you three have what? Banded together to be pains in my ass? Well, your arch nemesis sees. You might beat us this time, Slayer, but next time. Um, uh, next time. Maybe not. Yes, uh, they're her arch nemesis. Yes, incredible. They do a little smoke bomb disappearo thing, but of course they didn't check to see if the door was unlocked before they did that. However, a security guard comes in and is like, what's going on here? I have people, kids saying it is haunted in here. There is a ghost in the arcade. <laughs> Meanwhile, these fucking nerds get the door open and disappear. Sir, there is a time and a place. Yeah. This is neither. Nope. And Willow, finishing the hairstyle gag, says, Buffy, your hair. It is adorable. It is adorable. We all agree. So they go out to the curb and they sit down. Writers of the show said, that was fun. Let's remind everyone that we don't (laughs) intend to make much fun this season. Yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts. Willow said, "Um, I did did it the spell-free way. She's sort of confiding, not confiding, but like um, talking to Buffy about like this experience of having really struggled through the day, but having come out victorious not having used magic and um buffy then sort of confides back in willow and says um you know i got scared when i heard that i would fade away and at first willow's like well who wouldn't and buffy's like i I wouldn't like i my experience up until this point has been that like i would be completely fine with dying and i didn't want to die and that is a big deal (laughs) they have this incredible moment of we both made good first steps yay (laughs) yay period (laughs) yeah so jenny we haven't talked about tension of the sexual variety would you like to do that Yet again, the old crossroads. Many will nom, but only one will truly slot. 
in slot number one. They just can't get enough of it. That's that special sparkle, uh, that that twinkle on the horizon. Mm. Uh, you just can't keep nerds away from an invisibility ray. Uh, in slot number dose, uh, the noms. Well, now you see one, but you don't see the other. It's Spike and Invisible Buffy getting up to exercises. I promise. Uh, I promise to use the ear emoji on this nice. slot num. Nice. Uh, in slot number three, uh, they simply can't help themselves. Uh, they were meant to be together. It's men or boys uh, in an arcade talking ceaselessly, unable mm -hmm. to tear themselves away from yapping, even though it means their own demise. Boys and yapping. Yapping and boys. And in the fourth slot, Kristen's favorite pick. A man under a sheet and another man <laughs> who is very curious and unafraid of what's going on <laughs> under that sheet. It's Xander and Spike. Oh, I love a Spander pairing, you know? Spander. Uh, I hey, do know. Follow us on Twitter at BufferingCast <laughs> where you can vote in this highly, highly contested contest for sexual tension. The poll will be up for seven days. Sometimes I use emojis. You're welcome. You sure do. Well, this is a fun episode. Yeah, I think it's fun. Some progress is made. Uh, some some heavier plot points are just an uh, inch forward. Yeah, but the trio... The trio, we time. finally know why the trio heisted a, a I mean, we knew why they heisted a diamond. Bikini Wax Wednesday. That really the most important thing we learn in the episode, in the 11th episode of season six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is that Sunnydale has Bikini Wax Wednesdays. What do you think that you get on a bikini? I mean, I know you get a bikini wax, but like. <laughs> I was going to say. Do you think it's like half off a bikini wax or do you think it's, you know. Well, I think you want to get the whole thing off. And then, <laughs> wow. Well, and then you can negotiate after the fact. Cool. On that note, why don't you um, let everybody know who the well... fuck you are? <laughs> Com Stand up comedian, Jenny Owen Youngs. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. <laughs> and when I'm not making this podcast, I'm making songs and other podcasts. You can hear more of my speaking voice over on Veronica Mars Investigations, and you can hear my singing voice on various Jenny Owen Young's releases, including my new Echo Mountain EP and my band LAX's first single, Temporary Goodbye. I also would recommend following LAX's this week because something <gasps> is afoot. <gasps> something is happening and Jenny, it's very exciting. Do you, don't you think that the song Temporary Goodbye could all align with this episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Absolutely. Oh, my God. Temporary goodbye is this episode. It's literally this episode. Yeah. Too bad you can't repurpose the song and put it at the end Alas. of the episode. <laughs> that would be handy. It would be. It would uh, be so nice. You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You give me a shout on Twitter at Jenny Owen Youngs. I am Kristen Russo. Uh, and when I am not 
trying to tamp down the excited energy of Jenny Owen Young's and her yeah. relationship to slots and noms. Hell yeah. Or talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I am generally found uh, conversing about the LGBTQ community and Britney Spears, um, sometimes both at the same time. You can learn more about my work with queer communities on my website, kristinnoline.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. I am booking workplace speaking events and GSA speaking events. And you can learn all about those things on that website. You can also follow me using my name, Kristen Nolene, on Twitter <laughs> and on Instagram. Uh, I'm doing I have all these book clubs. You know that I have one for Buffering the Vampire Slayer. I also am reading Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe uh over in my little patreon land so find all of that on my website come hang out buffering the vampire slayer is on twitter facebook and instagram at buffering cast you could drop us an email at buffering the vampire slayer at gmail.com it's true you can you can also support our work by becoming a patron you get a lot of stuff a lot it's like the stuff that you get <laughs> as a patron of ours is reaching the point of ludicrousness if i if i do say so <laughs> myself you get music there's book clubs jenny's doing a concert like now basically maybe it already happened no i think it happens this saturday cool fun music times there's a lot you can go to bufferingthevampireslayer.com, click on Patreon. You can also go to our store and buy some some goods. Um, if we don't have a new thing up yet, we will have it up soon. You should be excited. It is enamel. It is a trio, and it is not Jonathan, Warren, <laughs> and Andrew. Tucker's brother. something far better than them. Um, Indeed. So... You know, bufferingthevampireslayer.com. You know what to do. You know how the internet works. Go on over yeah. there. Hang out. And till next time. Uh, uh, woo. Woo. We didn't tell you, but we were invisible this whole episode. Mm-hmm. It's another day On this mortal coil I've been feeling mostly gray Since I clawed up through the soil I was just waiting for My own trapdoor To let myself out through Now you see me Now you don't Crushed beneath the weight of responsibility Now I'm just trying to live my best life invisibly Felt like I had no place left to go So now you see me, now you don't Trying to have some fun Undetectably 
think I like me better when nobody can see. I'm just trying to cut myself loose from all that came before. Now you see me. Now you don't. Don't wanna. Life invisibly felt like I had no place left to go. So now you see me, now you don't. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.